Welcome to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Giving you an exclusive look into Grand Canyon University Athletics with news, special guests, memorable flashbacks, and more. It's the Lopes Insider Podcast. On this episode, we'll hear from two standout successes in GCU Athletics. A Lopes favorite, Alessandro Laver, shares his thoughts as he enters his senior year. And we hear from men's and women's tennis coach, Dr. Greg Prudhomme, the second longest tenured coach at GCU. Coming up now on Episode 9 of the Lopes Insider Podcast. Well, it's been more than three months since the NCAA season's concluded, but uh, we've had a steady stream of developments. Time for the latest news and notes. Boy, what is this we see now, Paul? Lopes in baseball action? Right. Some GCU players are getting some summer ball after all. We've seen golfers enter summer competitions, but now quite a few GCU baseball players have summer action too. Twelve are playing nearby in the Arizona Collegiate Wood Bat League that started last week. Juan Colado, who originally was headed for the prestigious Cape Cod League with GCU teammates Pearson Ole and Brody Cooper Vasilaskis, is still headed cross-country for the Coastal Plain League in Georgia. Yeah, so great to see these guys getting a chance. Summer League is so important to their development, so good to see. And on the heels of Cade Meckles being drafted and Drew Smith and Cuba Best signing pro contracts, good to see baseball uh, still delivering. And you can always find more Lopes news on GCULopes.com and the GCU Lopes app. Well, it's trivia time, and one of this podcast's guests, Greg Prudhomme, made news right away at GCU by recruiting a player who made national news in 2008. Question, for what distinction was it being A, the shortest college tennis player in the nation, B, the youngest, C, the tallest, or D, the oldest? Paul, any ideas? This truly, gra- yeah, yeah, can I take the 50-50 on that? <laughs> you want to call a friend? On a friend? I'll, call a I'll call Josh Hauser. <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah. No, the, if you recall it, this really grabbed everyone's attention. It, it was in Sports Illustrated, LA Times, NPR, a lot of places. And this was truly no gimmick, Paul. This team won because of this player who was one of Prudhomme's first recruits. Dr. Greg Prudhomme came to GCU as the women's tennis head coach in 2007 and added the lead of the men's tennis program a year later. He guided both into the D1 era, including a 2019 NCAA tournament berth for the men. He's a four-time WAC Coach of the Year, who recently was named Professional of the Year by the Southwest Professional Tennis Association. Michael Potter catches up with Prudhomme on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Well, Coach Prudhomme, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Lopes Insider Podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, you've had a storied career uh, in a lot of different stops. Obviously, at GCU, you've done a fantastic job, men's and women's uh, tennis coach, which not a lot of folks do. They typically pick one or the other, but you've done a great job with both. But I want to go back a ways here. Um, have you always been a tennis guy? Um, young Greg Prudhomme, was he like, I love tennis, that's what I want to do? Or did you play multiple sports? What were you like as, as, as a young kid in the sporting world? I, I think I was meant to be a tennis person. Um, I, I took a detour. For quite a few years, um, but at five years old, my dad had saved up his money, um, sold off some assets. He was a a college football player, played at Hutchinson Junior College in Kansas, 
and then moved on to Kansas, but fell in love with tennis while he was at both places. He actually was taking, <laughs> I don't know if I should share this on the podcast. <laughs> he was taking a tennis scholarship from the football coach at Hutchison um, to, oh, wow. to lure him to the team so he would have both. But they did tell him afterwards that, oh, well, you do have to play tennis too. So he was a football slash tennis player, junior college. And then that kind of was just put on the back burner. And then all these years later, my mom is now a mother of three. She's just had her third child. She's never picked up a racket in her life. And it was my dad's goal to, to have a sport for a lifetime, to teach her how to play, to teach his three kids how to play. And, uh, started playing with the family. You know, my dad got us all out there, taught us how to play. But my mom being German, I quickly got distracted by soccer. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I played a ton of soccer. And, um, you know, I guess I liked playing a sport, especially out West. It just wasn't, it, it was hardly known. And I guess I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have the frame to play many other <laughs> of the American <laughs> So, um, you know, I could use my, my speed and quickness and cardio to run around the soccer field. And um, I played on some of the best soccer teams in the world. In fact, um, I traveled to six different countries and my team was unofficially um, ranked number one in the world in the 14 and unders after we won a tournament in the UK. We took third in Sweden and then we won in Norway. And so I come back from that summer those last few years, I was kind of growing apart from my soccer team. I felt like I was, I kind of had been there and done that. I wasn't seeing a huge opportunity for college soccer out West. I didn't really see myself leaving um, the West for college. So um, I, I went to what I thought was the next natural thing. So I jumped back into tennis and I never looked back since then. Did, did that appeal to you, the tennis? I mean, tennis, obviously, in the collegiate level is a, is a team sport, right? But yeah. it's made up of the individual effort. And then as you go pro, it's more individual unless you get into the doubles. Did that appeal to you for coming from, you know, being a part of a big soccer team to kind of be it on did. your own, but also be part of a team? It did. Absolutely. It did. I, I it, it appealed to me, first of all, since it was soon so new and so fresh. And, um, you know, I had that team aspect and, and I loved every bit of that with the soccer team. But then, um, you know, again, as I was kind of growing a little bit apart with the personalities on my soccer team, it just, yeah, I just jumped into tennis. I said, wow, this is interesting. It's all on me. If, if I win, it's me. If I lose, it's me. I don't get subbed out of the game. I don't have to sit on the bench. Um, and uh, yeah, I just dove in and never looked back. I, I didn't qualify for, for state tennis playing for Greenway my freshman year. I didn't qualify my sophomore year. I, I qualified for state as a junior, lost first round, and then I won the high school state championships my senior year. Um, so it was a, a real quick learning curve from that the probably sophomore to junior year, junior to senior year, and then uh, you know to be able to play at ASU and graduate at U of A and then earn a few ATP points. Um, in fact, I was playing the qualies of the Franklin Templeton tournament at the Princess Resort. I yeah. played it a few years in a row and there was actually some former soccer teammates of mine and they, they walked up to the side of the court. Greg, is that you? <laughs> I thought you were a soccer player. 
how did you get out there? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What What do you attribute? I mean, what happened? What do you think attributes to that that uh, quick learning curve and really taking that jump from Macon State your junior year and then winning the whole thing your senior year? Yeah, I mean, I've been coaching tennis for so long now, and I haven't seen that happen. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I attribute a lot of it to I, I did gain a lot of confidence being on that soccer team. I, I you know I just I was with a winning program, and so there's certainly certainly something to be said about that. Um, but then I had to transfer that to tennis and the sport. I was playing people that had been playing, you know, three, five, ten years longer than me. But the cardio, um, it, the footwork was definitely an advantage. The the foot eye coordination that you need in soccer, you have to track a ball and you have you don't have a, a racket on the end of your foot that's on the lower part of your body and you have to meet the soccer ball there. I felt like when I got on a tennis court and I actually could use my upper limbs with a racket and had a lot more mobility and flexibility to get my racket on the ball versus getting a foot on the ball. Not to mention I was playing on a mini soccer field on a tennis court. I felt like I could get everything. So um, I feel like I had an advantage over the players who had just played tennis growing up. And as you know, there's been a lot of research that supports being a uh, a dual sport or multiple sport athlete through youth sports. Yeah. And so I think I'm living proof of the value of that. You know, Coach, uh, you, you got your master's degree in psychology and then a doctorate of philosophy uh, in general psychology with that emphasis on performance psychology. How important is the mental game in all of this we're talking about? I, I feel like at this level, it's everything. Um, you know, the, this level at GCU Division One tennis. Um, you know, once you hit to hit Division One tennis, you know, you're just a breath stroke away from the pro tour. So most physical things are equal at this point. Um, you know, at the lower levels, there's still a lot of weaknesses in the physical parts of the game. It could be, you know, physical parts um, in the athleticism, speed or endurance or strength, or in the strokes, um, there's deficiencies. But once you get to Division One, everybody can hit a good ball. So mm-hmm. then if everybody can hit a good ball and everybody's – you know, working hard, everybody's doing off-court training, then what makes the difference? And so I I feel like it's so huge. And, you know, I I dove in and took on that challenge. I had had always been a student of the mental game, even when I played soccer, because I was, the the older I got, even at 12, 13, 14, kids were hitting their growth spurts and, and I didn't. And so to be able to compete with them, I had to tap into other areas. So I'd always been intrigued um, about the mental game. And then when, you know, Brian Mueller and, and every, the team at GCU and the curriculums just kept developing, when that popped up on the radar at GCU, I was like, oh my gosh, I was, I was torn. I was both tormented and excited at the same time. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, now I have no choice. I have to do it because I've always wanted to do this. Um, but it's going to be a challenge. It was so valuable that it was going to be worth it for you know, every athlete that I was currently coaching because I was already able to start applying the content I was learning from the first course um, through the, the future of any athlete that I teach in the future. I, I'm, I'm laughing, Coach, because I'm, I'm thinking you're talking to your wife about, hey, I'm going to get a doctorate. I mean, do you ever have, and she's thinking, when, like what time do you have? Do you ever, get, do you ever like sit on the back porch with a cup of coffee? Do you ever have any time to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's about 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice. It's quiet. You know, you hear the birds. Yeah. But an interesting story. 
um, you know, we were starting that tennis degree program at GCU. We actually started for one semester um, before the business program changed courses and they kind of absorbed the, the golf program and the tennis program into sports management. And that sports management program is just yeah. at GCU. But I was spending a lot of time with Dr. Randy Gibb, the, the dean of our business college. Um, yeah. I was building the curriculum for this for this tennis degree, the, the a degree in business management with an emphasis in professional tennis management. And the USTA was really happy that we were doing that. So they flew Dr. Gibb and I out to the U S open. So we were staying at the grand Hyatt with where the players were staying. We got a suite. We got to watch, uh, Nadal and Serena Williams on opening night and, and see the concert on center court. And, I think I, uh, Randy got sick of hearing me talk about the possibility of taking this, this doctorate of, of becoming a, a PhD student because I kept hemming and hawing about exactly what you were talking about with me and my wife. Like, when do I do this? Do I wait for my oldest daughter to graduate or my middle daughter to graduate or my son to get out of high school? And so it was, we were at the U.S. Open standing right outside of Louis Armstrong Stadium and Randy Gibb, I think he just had enough, and he put his hand out, and he said, Greg, he's like, st- just stop for a second. I think, I think I know what you need to hear. And I said, yeah. And he said, there is no good time to do your PhD. <laughs> <laughs> and so for a fleeting moment, I thought, like, oh, I shouldn't do it? And then it hit me. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. You don't mean I shouldn't do it. You mean, you mean I should do it, like, now. And this was a weekend. And I came home and I was a PhD student by Thursday. Wow. I just dove in. So, yeah, I've always been known to be a little off my rocker. <laughs> well, Coach, we're, we're running out of time. I could talk to you for, for the whole day about this stuff. But I did want to ask you a couple of questions about your family. Obviously, a tennis family growing up. But, man, you got a tennis family here. What's it like? I mean, you've coached your wife. You've coached both your daughters. And now you're you're working with one of your daughters as, as your grad assistant. What is that like for the family to be all together? What are those dynamics like? Yeah, I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm so happy because when I, before I even had a child, let alone as I had them, I was very calculated. I've seen so many uh, relationships between parents and children, especially a coach, parent, and, and child been ruined by youth sports and competitive sports. I've seen dysfunction created. So I, I really made it a goal that, yeah, I wanted tennis to be part of, 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 of their life and our lives because I think it's a wonderful sport, but not ever at the cost of ruining our relationship. So to be at this stage where, you know, my wife is a certified teaching pro and now Tatum, unfortunately, we just lost her as a GA. She's not okay. She just uh, became the head pro at the Desert Highlands in North Scottsdale. Oh, wow. Um, my second daughter's still, um, you know, playing for me, coming into her senior year, but she'll have another year of eligibility with this waiver, um, being a, a former uh, WAC All-Conference doubles player. And then my son now is is working at the Tennis Cabana um, as uh, their, their main employee and, and racket technician and stringer. So for everybody to be in tennis, I feel like I, I, I got an A plus and for – for however good each one of them came, that's just became that's just icing on the cake. You know, coach. I mean, thirteen years women's coach, twelve as the men's. Um, a lot of folks are still scratching their heads. How are you able to do that? How different is it, or is it different at all, coaching men and coaching women at this level? 
Um, it's both. I mean, you, you're right. I mean, yes and yes, no and no. Um, there's a lot of similarities. So in, in those similarities, you can apply winning formulas, coaching philosophies um, to both programs when it comes to team culture, when it comes to um, how I try to prepare them to play under pressure, to try to play their best tennis when it counts the most. That, that applies. But in the way I deliver those messages, um, you know, having daughters of my own and then as well having a son and having coached men and women before when I was at GCC, I've learned that the delivery methods um, can be different. And, and I've also learned to appreciate the differences. And the more you start loving the differences between the two of them, um, I think the better you get at it rather than um, constantly comparing one to another. So. I think that's helped. Hey, Coach, like I said, our time's running out. I mean, a fabulous run that's not looking like it's going to end anytime soon with uh, the programs here. I mean, three WAC uh, women's titles, two men's titles, four-time WAC Coach of the Year, and you personally earning uh, accolades uh, left and right for all the achievements you've done. And so we just appreciate the time. We appreciate everything you do for GCU. And we'll have to catch up again sometime. We can actually talk a little bit more about the team and about things like that. Hopefully, we'll get back playing sports, and then we can have you on again and talk about the team and how things are going no kidding that'd be nice hey i couldn't do any of this without the support that i get from you know the executives and the admin and and you guys that that help tell our story so i thank everybody the call of the week presented by copper state credit union committed to you more than three thousand students descended on gcu stadium three years ago for a welcome week women's soccer match against weber state Despite trailing 1-0, the Lopes sent them home happy. First, Madison Cox extended the stay with a game-tying goal with less than two minutes remaining in regulation. She'll kick it across field to Devera. Devera's got a bit of a shot there, but the goal, yes! Take the monkey off the back, because the Lopes just tied it up. Madison Cox finishes that great goal there. The smoke from the celebration cannon shot barely had cleared when Cox struck again in OT for the win. And the game is over, sudden death. <laughs> and that's it. She is jumping in the Havocs. What a finish by the Lopes. Madison Cox, unreal. That was the call of the week, presented by Copper State Credit Union. Committed to you. The federal tax filing deadline has been extended to July 15th, so you still have plenty of time to begin filing your taxes. Grand Canyon University wants to help you avoid the stress that filing taxes can bring. This year, GCU is partnering with Easy 1040, an online service that allows you to have your taxes filed by a licensed professional at the same price as filing on your own. Starting as low as $40, Easy 1040 is one of the fastest, easiest, and most convenient ways to securely file a tax return online. Now, you can take advantage of an additional 20% off when you enter the promo code GCU20. Easy 1040 has you answer 10 questions about your taxes and does the rest for you. Visit easy1040.com to start filing today. Alessandro Labor came to GCU from Balzano, Italy, with a basketball desire that was hard to express without a grasp of English. His work ethic showed it all, and he quickly developed his game and his English, becoming a two-time All-Wax selection and one of the leading active career scorers in the nation. As he prepares for his final year at GCU, Labor talks to Barry Butel on the Lopes Insider Podcast.
Ollie, thanks so much for joining us on the Lopes Insider podcast today. And uh, wow, it's uh, been a while since we last saw one another. And briefly, I think in Las Vegas, uh, the team had gone to the uh, conference tournament and then turned right back around. Uh, It's it's been amazing the last uh, few months. How's it how's it been on you uh, both here uh, on campus and then also personally with with your family in Italy? Thank you for having me. Um, this summer, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to go back to Italy. I've been with my girlfriend in Colorado for over two and half, two months and a half. It's been pretty good. We just were trying to be safe, you know, not going outside too much, just go to the store, going on some hikes, walks, trying to like isolate ourselves from everybody so that we, you know, trying to not catch coronavirus. That was our main goal. Is uh, everybody back home okay? And yeah. Dealing with this best they can. Yeah, my family. None of my none of my members of my family have coronavirus, thankfully. So they're all dealing. They're all good. You know, life is starting to, uh, you know, kind of start again. Like in the old days, people are starting to going out again. Everything is slowly opening. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's tremendous. Well. It's been uh, kind of a whirlwind, obviously, from from that tournament, and and there's a new head coach in place. And have you, I guess, met virtually? Have you talked to Coach Drew and and the assistant coaches um, since their arrival on campus and here in Phoenix? Yeah, we all um, met up when some of the players were moving in. Coach Drew, Coach Walker, um, Coach Casey Shaw, and Coach Schilling, and all the supporting staff was there. So I got a chance to meet everybody. I'm really excited for this season. I can't wait to start. You know, it's been a long time without basketball and I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all we're all at that point and I'm sure it's uh, magnified for you with uh with a new coaching staff. I got a chance to coach uh talk to coach Shaw uh virtually and it, it, his energy was uh, was just amazing. And the fact that he spent time in Italy Italy playing professionally uh, he was excited at the time because it was just after he was announced to joining Coach Drew's staff. And, you know, he's a big man and uh, he played that, that same position. Um, have you had an opportunity to, cut, uh, to chat with Coach Shaw and, and are you excited to work with him as well? Yeah, we, we got a chance to kind of hang out with him, uh, Dima and Gabe. And I'm really excited for him to, like, teach me all, you know, the little tricks and, you know, just trying to improve my game in the post with him this season. And I'm really excited. He knows the basketball, the game. He played a long, a long time in Italy too. So I can't wait to start with him too. You know, it's amazing to say that, that uh, you're going to be a senior. Um, as it, as it gone by, <laughs> as the older I get, it, time goes like warp speed. So as it gone by really fast, can you, um, I'm sure there t- there's been some times that maybe it's, it hasn't gone by real fast, like right now. Um, but can you kind of encapsulate what it's going to be like to be a senior here at GCU? And time passed, went through so quickly. It was, I just, it felt like it was yesterday when I was a freshman and I'm, <laughs> you know, this year is going to be my last year. So I got to step it up on my leadership. got to be a better leader for the team. I got to kind of, you know, introduce the freshmen to the to GCU and to what kind of culture we want to have here because when I'm going to graduate, so I'm going to be gone, the freshman, sophomore, and junior from last season are going to have to, you know, keep the culture and make sure that this program goes in the direction that we want to. You mentioned uh, Dima, and I know Asborn also uh, might be in the mix 
coming up. I know there's some things that need to be worked out as far as his eligibility, but but Gabe and, and going down with that injury, and there's talk last year that he was going to redshirt, um, but having him back uh, and any little bit of muscle uh, down low, that, that's got to be, to have some reinforcements, especially down in the low post, going to be uh, going to be kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, we we really needed that. We needed somebody who can play in the post with me and kind of compliment me as a player. And we have this, we have this, this year, this season. Hopefully, Ash can, uh, Esbron can play because if he can play, it's going to be a big piece for us. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just really excited to start working out with everybody, build the chemistry, and you know, win as much as we can. It was exciting to hear that that uh, Oscar is going to be uh, returning as well. And and uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, Oscar Freyer coming back and, and joining this exciting mix of players? I uh, couldn't believe it at first. I actually texted him and said, yo, you're back. And he said, yeah, I'm back. So I'm, you know, really exciting. We, he's a senior. He brings a lot of energy, athleticism and experience because he's been playing, of course, like three years. Unfortunately, last year he couldn't play. But he's going to be a really important piece for us to build the chemistry and, um, you know, the type of culture that we want to have here at GCU. And he's going to help us a lot rebounding and defensively. What did you see from uh, the kid, uh, Javon Blackshear? Uh, he seemed to come in and act like he wasn't a freshman, at least on the court. And from a perception standpoint, he, he acted like he was pretty cool. He certainly uh, showed a, a great deal of aptitude and skill on the court. What were your thoughts about the freshman? I thought he did a really good job because he came in and he had to step up immediately, becoming the yeah. point guard of the, the team. <clears throat> and I know it's not hard. It's not easy, sorry, because I'd kind of been in the shoes my freshman year when it's for the second part of the season. I had to start. You know, you just got to like kind of find it. He, he did a really good job. Uh, passing the ball, scoring, shooting, dribbling, finding the right man to pass the ball at the right time. And he's going to be great for us this year. He's improving a lot. I know he's been working out a lot this summer, trying to get his body right as well as like his game right. And, you know, he has, you know, higher goal to reach this season with us. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see his development as it has been for to see and and watch you develop as you as you look back and maybe this is a follow up to just you know the conversation we had around you being a senior. Um, you know what's been the biggest challenge? I mean, it, not only you know culturally and coming over from Italy, which is I mean, sure it's that's got to be pretty tremendous, and and you're in completely in a different environment. Um, but as as a basketball player on the court um, and uh, being accustomed to perhaps a what they say, a, a European style of basketball. What, what has been the biggest transition playing D1 basketball here in America? Uh, probably the biggest one is, I'll say, like the way that basketball works here. It's more athletic and people act more like professional than like, we're used to playing the youth, youth team in Italy, so it's different. You know, we're all kids basically over there. Here people actually are basically professional players because they play in college and they got to go to school. So it's completely different. Uh, athleticism is way higher than Italy. We in Italy we're more like in Europe. People are more skilled. They play with a slower pace. We play more, you know, plays. We call every every action is a play basically, and we gotta follow it through and trying to find after that we can look for different ways to scores. But yeah, just the culture uh, NCA is it's been great and it's such a fun experience and a great experience. I'm really thankful. I. I'm doing this. 
you know, you look at uh, your senior year approaching and uh, knock on wood, uh, everything uh, gets back to, to normalcy very quickly. And you're there and we're ready to go right from the end of October and get the season started on time. And I know you might not want to talk about it, but you need 25 games to appear in more than any other GCU player. And that certainly could be obtained this season. You need a 407 points to pass Josh Braun for number two on GCU's all-time scoring list, number one in D1 for GCU. And you look at your career stats at uh, 13.4 points per game. I, in my limited math experience and uh, subpar performance in my collegiate career and, and in high school, it, I think that's around a 13.6 point per game average with a 30-game schedule. So you, you're right on pace there. Um, I'm sure you've you've got goals that that probably uh, are loftier as far as uh, wins and contributing to this team. But do you look at that and and uh, leaving a legacy and leaving a personal mark here at GCU? I would love to. If it happens, I'm you know I'll be the happiest person. But if it doesn't happen, because never know, maybe season won't start right now. We will start like halfway through the year. You never know. But if it happens, I'm will be really happy about it. Of course, our goal for this year. I know me scoring 1,600 points or us actually finally going to the NCAA tournament, win the WAC, win the WAC tournament, and go to the NCAA tournament. Of course, yeah. I always have like big goals, but I think that with this team, if everybody's healthy and if we can build, if we can start working soon together and build a chemistry, I think we can do it. You may not, or I'm sure you've been aware of uh, at least the, their talk around Arizona State and when is GCU going to play Arizona State? And then it, it all came to fruition, and it was announced here uh, just a short while ago that a home-and-home home series, and it'll be at GCU Arena. And, man, you hope there's some crowd at, at that place. Uh, uh, but but uh, your thoughts about playing uh, Arizona State, and, and conversely as well, I mean, you got a great matchup at home against San Diego State as well. I mean, it's always like a really good competition for us to play against teams they're that high in you know like in conference and finally we get to play them after i'm a four year and everybody like we everybody's been talking i keep hearing people that say oh we wish we could play them we wish we could play them never happened finally it's happening and i'm really excited to play arizona state at home and san diego state of course as uh as we approach your your senior year and, and closing up here uh what you know off the court you know, you mentioned spending time with your girlfriend in, in Colorado, and I'm assuming that, that you met here at GCU. What's been it like off the court here at GCU? What's What's been your experience? And uh, when you look back at it, you know, what are some of the, the fond memories that you'll have here uh, on this campus? I mean, GCU is like a really, really big family. Everybody knows everybody. You're going to meet new people every day. There's 20,000 people on campus, so literally so many people you can meet. Freshman year was really great. I got to meet a lot of friends, a lot of people that I'm still friends with. I mean, every time all all the team hang out in the Grove, just as freshmen hanging out at the Grove, it's been great. GCU is such a gives such a cool experience and really like it makes you grow as a person. Just stay on campus. Ali, it's uh, great to talk to you here uh, on the podcast, but I can't wait to to see you uh, on the court here in the practice facility and of course at GCU Arena. I wish the the best to you and and everybody in Colorado and everybody, of course, back home in, in Italy as well. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to be back on court. Looking forward for that.
Well, special thanks to Alessandro and Greg for sharing their time with us and Lope Nation. We give a hat tip earlier to Prudhomme with our trivia question, which asked why one of his tennis players made national news in 2008. Cue the drum roll. The answer is that Grand Canyon Sheila Johnson was the oldest college tennis player at age 60 in 2008. And uh, by the way, she went 13 and 5 in singles. Not bad, especially when Prudhomme was taking over a program that had zero returning players. And she had played at ASU in the 60s, but had started to become acquainted with his family when she began playing again at a club where Prudhomme was the head pro. So 43 years after her ASU career ended, she helped rejuvenate GCU women's tennis. Yeah, phenomenal story. And uh, as we said before, a huge part of uh, helping to build that program. And look at the program now, three whack regular season titles. So pretty amazing story, but uh, pretty amazing uh, finish to uh, her career in, in NCAA athletics. Well, that brings us to the close of this uh, episode. Before we wrap up, Paul, what do you got coming up on GCULopes.com? We're putting a bow on the men's basketball newcomer series. You can read a profile and watch a video interview with Chance McMillan, who declared early on in his life that he was going to play college basketball. And he's fulfilling that now by joining GCU as a freshman this fall. And you'll also discover a new look to the site. Got a little makeover on GCULopes.com. And I think you'll find it's familiar, but enhanced. There's a lot of uh, aesthetic nuances that were added, but the overall navigation is is simpler for better fan experience. Yeah, and as we get a new look to the site, a little bit of a new look to the uh, Western Athletic Conference happening in July as well, Paul. That's right. Welcome Tarleton State and Dixie State to the WAC, two new members that will start their transition process, much like GCU, but a little bit more advanced. In two years, they'll get to play in the basketball tournament. Looks forward to seeing those guys in the WAC and visiting uh, those cities as well. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to our great guest. Uh, thanks to Josh Hauser for putting everything together for us. And thanks to you guys for continuing to make us one of the top new podcasts out there. Continue to listen and tell your friends about it. We look forward to you hearing you next time. And thanks for joining us for this Lopes Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform and at gclopes.com slash podcast. Lopes up. 